Welcome back to the Behind the Net Podcast. As always, I'm one of your two co-hosts, uh, Matthew, and joined join with me today is my other co-host. Hey guys, it's Michael, and uh, I almost forgot to say my name there because that's how long it's been since the last episode. <laughs> we took a, a two-week break, one one to two-week break. Somewhere in that Somewhere ballpark, right, yeah. Somewhere right in, about there, and it was good. We I think we needed the break, uh, you know, sports, uh, you know, basketball, hockey, heading into the off-season, um, baseball as well just wrapped up uh and uh yeah it's kind of like that off season uh time so we've had to go go kind of to the drawing board and think of uh some new ideas and now we're, we're back to get things rolling again yeah it's, it kind of does have that off season vibe to it where there's pretty much nothing else on right now with the exception of the nfl college mm-hmm. football and soccer and that's not to say that we don't like those sports because trust me we do appreciate the sports but I, I when you're when you watch so many other sports since from August till uh, like last a couple weeks ago, you kind of get that like I need a break from this. Mm-hmm. And and I mean don't get us wrong, like uh, this podcast is mainly a Toronto sports podcast, so we do focus on you know the three major sports here. Uh, unfortunately, Toronto doesn't have an NFL team, so uh, maybe that's that that's where the, the lack of coverage on that end comes. But yeah, I mean when the when three Toronto teams are out of the season. Uh, you know, there's a kind of a lack of content on that front, but it's all good. It's all good. It's the off season. And there's a lot more to talk about now. So uh, before we get in, uh, we wanted to just uh, acknowledge the uh, the presidential election that just happened, actually. Yes. So uh, of course, congratulations to Joe Biden and uh, Kamala Harris um, on their win. Yes, congratulations to them. But I have to say that was probably the craziest. It uh, was crazy. Four day stretch mm-hmm. of just waiting for the results to come in, and when it came in on Saturday morning, uh, you could tell. I it's there's not often you see a day where Twitter is universally happy, and I think <laughs> yesterday was one of those days. Oh yeah, for sure. It was a it was, it was a very happy day, and um, yeah, it was it was just an insane insane election, especially you know just to be watching and kind of living through it. Um, it's a crazy time we're we're in right now um and what we saw there was a lot of great things i mean of course just seeing you know how many people came out to vote was a great thing to see yeah it's uh it's been it's been a crazy week a crazy few months crazy year in general it's it's just just pretty being completely understated but uh hopefully for a lot of people the results of this election made this year have a bit of a bright spot at the end of course, and you know, you know us, uh, all our, you know, our, our listeners know, um, we, you know, we covered a lot of topics um, this year. You know, it's been a very uh, big year on, on social justice and, and activism, and and you know, we just really hope that um, moving forward, that America heals and and you know, isn't uh, as divided, and, and that this uh, election win for Joe Biden, um, you know, helps make things makes makes makes. America and the world better. All we want to say is congratulations to our listeners who are Americans. Uh, I'm sure you must be very happy with the results of this election, and uh, we're happy for you. Um, mm. hopefully, let's, let's let's hope that uh, there's a peaceful transfer of power uh, in the coming weeks, but no guarantees on that. For sure. And then in other uh, major news uh, that we want to talk about today is. Uh, we want to say, uh, you know, rest in peace to uh, Alex Trebek, the host of Jeopardy, yeah. um, a Canadian who died after battling with pan- pancreatic cancer. So uh, rest in peace to him and uh, thoughts and prayers to his family. Absolutely. Uh, I just wanted to mention the 
video he did with the Ottawa Senators when they were announcing their third overall pick at the recent 2020 draft. He looked like he was in good spirits, so it was, it was it's very sad to see that uh, that was one of his last great moments. And I'm glad that uh, the Senators were able to do that because he once he's been a great host for Jeopardy for a long time, and I think uh, moments like that are reasons why. That moment and that whole video was so so cool just to see like the auto senders won the draft just through that video it was, it was so cool to see um then also i mean they took advantage of the you know the kind of uh online format i guess you can call it the fact that um the the draft was done remotely i mean it was just a cool thing to see but yeah um you know the world lost a legend there but uh yeah thoughts and prayers to his family and friends thoughts thoughts and prayers um but yeah uh this is what episode 47 now we're uh yeah 47 it's uh yeah it's again we haven't been doing this for a while so bear with us we're it's just that adjustment period again Mm -hmm. and uh we actually yeah we even just passed our one year uh the one year anniversary of the podcast a couple weeks ago uh Uh so shout out this podcast i love doing it and honestly uh i i still remember you know when you uh hit me up what you know wanting to do just a sports podcast and i was just so down because i think i spent last summer you know wanting like ha- you know having the idea of wanting to do a podcast but i was like i don't know uh and and it just kind of fell into place yeah i was really glad uh you were able to accept it and do this podcast with me and just look at how far it's come so far it's mm-hmm. it's been quite the journey i gotta been, ask you though uh, what's what's been your favorite moment on the podcast so far that's so hard that's a really hard question because well name a couple i mean we've had so many great guests and i feel like we've made so many friends on this i mean the the, the best moments are honestly like when we were doing interviews and things like that mm-hmm. um and also i really liked uh when we used to do trivia that was really fun yeah we'll uh, have to bring that back yeah i mean we've had so many like really good podcasts um for me i don't know i really liked when we had uh both uh jordan and Haley, that was a fun episode the ball yep. girls and uh the bar down guys when they yeah, all those got are on great ones. those are really fun uh i mean every every guest we've had uh, has been so good of course Keyshawn's come you know a record three times on the show um but yeah <laughs> Our, those there's just so many good you know good episode moments but i don't know i really liked uh i really like the trivia honestly when we used to do the trivia that was so much fun let us know what trivia you guys want to do we'll bring it back uh mm-hmm. i just want to quickly say that the the conversation we had with tiffany and peter and then later yes uh, erica and uh omar i think were two of my favorite moments on this podcast i think those were very important moments uh and the fact that we were able to give those guys a platform to share their stories and uh have a conversation like that i think was probably something that i never forget and i i still think about those every now and then just how 100%. powerful those conversations were i'm with you there actually those are my favorite moments uh yeah i mean the trivias are you know a fun moment uh just fun moments that you remember but those were definitely you know the most important moments that we've had on the on this podcast absolutely uh mm-hmm. if you guys let us know what your favorite moments on the podcast were those are just ours but we love to hear what you guys uh what you guys really loved uh in the, the first year of, of this show it's there's been quite a lot. Let's just oh, put yeah. it that way. And let's hope for another season of, uh, you know, even more laughs and, and more great episodes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, so 
Yeah, I was just going to say uh, we'll head into sports now. Um, it's been, you know, I mean, again, it's off-season, off-season vibes there. So not a lot happening. Uh, but we'll start with the Toronto Maple Leafs. They did make uh, a few moves uh, here and there. I believe the last time we left off was pretty much right after Joe Thornton signed with uh, the Leafs. So, uh, I mean, we have a few mainly just signings here that um, we could we could briefly talk about. Uh, Travis Dermott re-signed. What, what are yep. your thoughts on that? He was uh, a big part of the Leafs' blue line, I think, and I think they view him very highly. So to not only get him to re-sign, but to the contract that they did, which is, I believe, only $10,000 more than uh, what he got last year. Sorry about that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's a great it's a great signing. I think Travis Dermott is going to be a part of this Leafs team for a while. They at least probably view highly of him. And if we saw with TJ Brody how he's a lefty playing on the right side, they they think this that Travis Dermott could do the same thing. So if he can continue his project uh, his growth over this next year, I'd expect him to potentially overtake someone on the roster who's probably like maybe only sign for this year or they would have to trade. Like for example, Justin Hall could potentially be expandable depending on how Travis Dermott's does this year. Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, again, like this, I don't think the defensive core is uh, done. Like I don't think Kyle Dubes is finished with the defense. I think he's just going to let it play out, you know, for the beginning of the season and then see where, you know, who makes the team, who doesn't, because let's not forget he wants to play Dermott on, uh, you know, the right side this year. And uh, he wants to see him there. And we still have, you know, Miko Leighton, who was just signed. Zach Bogosian just signed. And Rasmus Sandin is still, you know, in the system. So uh, yeah. you kind of have those, uh, you know, you you, you kind of assume that the, you know, the other five that are on the team are, you know, Jake Muzzin, Morgan Riley, TJ Brody now, and Justin Hall. Um, and then, you know, Travis Dermott pretty much, I think he's pretty much... Uh, solidified right so that means there's you know one spot for another three players and uh i mean again it makes room for a lot more moves because you don't know where some of these players might be you know you don't know who um might you know excel things like that and i think the dermot signing is just amazing because you you're able to extend him for very cheaply and and for one year um that keeps him an rfa next season mm-hmm. and uh yeah, it just gives them more options to work with, I feel. Absolutely. I think the RFA part is very key because mm-hmm. they want to make sure that Travis Dermott's rights are retained for as long as they possibly can. He is, what, only 23 years old, so he would could still be theoretically un- under control for the next couple of years, depending on how, what they want to do with him. But I think it really comes just comes down to his growth is going to be key through this next year. And... Let's be let's be real here. He probably gets a little bit more money if we're if not living in a COVID world. I think the pandemic really did affect his ability to get a little bit over a million dollars, which I think he would be getting. But just considering all the circumstances, uh, they are, should be pretty happy with the deal that they got with Travis Terman. Yeah, and even like I said, like uh, I mean, let's say the Leafs sign him long term right off the bat. Here, um, you're kind of betting a lot of money on the fact that he stays a Leaf. Whereas here, I mean, there's, you know, two spots and four options you have. And uh, I think Kyle Dubas just wants a little more time to kind of see, you know, who do you actually want to keep and uh, who do you want to move out? And, uh, you know, we'll just have to see how the season plays out. And that one year is crucial to, of course, how Dermot uh, 
performs, you know, he's going to try to earn that payday next offseason. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if anything, it also gives him that extra motivation. Absolutely. I think that's really the big thing right there. I'm I'm assuming that uh, Travis Dermott has a bounce back here next year because his numbers were pretty decent uh, if you consider the fact that he missed the first month or so of the mm-hmm. season with an injury. And, yeah, his numbers uh, regressed a little bit. But also keep in mind that uh, in the uh, the season was cut short because of COVID. So I think he's on the right track. I hope hopefully next season he improves on his numbers and continues his trajectory. So I think he has a place in the top four. He just has to show it. Oh, for sure. And I mean, his potential is a top four. Uh, he's young. He's, his potential is a top four uh, defenseman. And he is going to play on, you know, the third pair. Um, but and, and he's also going to be playing the right side, which is, you know, an added challenge for him. But uh, we'll see if it works out and if he's able to excel. Um, but moving on, uh, another signing that the Leafs made uh, in in the in this this break we took was uh, that they re-signed Joey Anderson. Pretty straightforward stuff, really. Um, he was an RFA uh, acquired from New Jersey, and uh, the Leafs made it clear that you know they want to keep him, and uh, hope you know most likely he'll play in the bottom uh, the bottom six. He's bottom mm-hmm. six forward. Um, also, you know, just a just a depth piece overall, and uh, yeah, I mean he's he's only twenty two. So, uh, you know, a lot of untapped potential there. And uh, I think the Leafs are just glad to have that extra piece, you know, that they can uh, pretty much a depth piece that you can play there. Yep. I think what's what's crazy to me is that he was able to sign two, three years Mm -hmm. because that contract normally would be one max two years. But I think he probably recognized that COVID is affecting his chances at a, a decent pay increase. He wants to be under team control for a while. He thinks he's got a chance to make the Leafs lineup as early as this coming season. And rightfully so, he wants to be in, on, on the team for as long as he possibly can to improve his chances. I think a player like this is good to have for, like you were saying, for improved depth. And I think this season, he could theoretically start off on the fourth line. Potentially, you could see him on the third line at some point throughout the year, but Again, even if they're, even that doesn't happen, you still have a good Marley's player who could be called up in a pinch if you need an extra body. And I think that's what this signing represents. For sure. And again, I mean, don't kick his tires for, you know, the value that he was in the Andreas Janssen trade. I mean, the point of that trade was essentially really just to shed the uh, Janssen's contract. And, you know, he happened to be the main piece coming back. But, you know, it was because... It was mainly him plus cap space that the Leafs really received. So, you know, you're getting a player for $750,000, a 22-year-old. So his contract will take him to uh, up till when he's 25. And uh, at $750,000 a year, like, yeah, like a depth piece. Like, even if he doesn't, you know, become a full-time NHLer, like, at that contract, what, who wouldn't want, like, a, you know, a 22-year-old in, in the minors even just to boost that team even? Absolutely. I will say this. Um, if uh, you're looking at the Leafs' uh, situation with why they traded Janssen, yes, it was primarily to shed some salary, but they wouldn't have traded uh, for Joey Anderson if they didn't think he could turn into something. For sure. Theoretically speaking, they could have just traded Janssen for a couple of draft picks and be done with it. Mm-hmm. But they really wanted Joey Anderson for a reason because they think he could turn into a useful piece in the bottom six. And you need guys like that to help solidify your team's depth. And the way that he plays the game, I think 
is something that the Leafs needed in their bottom six, potentially in their middle six if he gets to that level. I'm not sure if that's going to happen, but knock on wood. Anyway, all I want to say is that Joey Anderson, I think, shouldn't be written off as a, a prospect acquired in a cap time. I think there's something to be had here. He's a looks like a legitimate player that could theoretically be in a least lineup as early as this coming season. For sure. So essentially, I mean, yeah, with all those reasons, it's just a safe signing overall. You know, you can't go wrong with that signing. Um, and then moving forward, um, Leafs kind of made a kind of funny uh, signing and uh, they brought back Michael Hutchinson. You can't <laughs> escape him. Yeah, you can't escape him. And uh, what I want to know, what are your thoughts? Because the Leafs also signed, uh, you know, they have Anderson and Campbell. And I mean, we do know that there have been a, a, a number of different rumors about, you know, who's going to start for the Leafs and, you know, the whole goaltending situation. But the Leafs went out and also picked up Aaron Dell a few weeks ago, who's a more than capable backup goaltender in the NHL. And uh, now Michael Hutchinson. So, you know, they have Freddie Anderson. They have um, Jack Campbell, who's, you know, a very good uh, backup goalie in the NHL. And who I've even heard rumors, you know, that, you know, maybe he could even, you know, start. Like maybe he has that potential to even start. And then the Leafs made sure to, you know, not that they didn't want any depth problems in net um, like they did last season. And they went and picked up now two, you know, capable depth pieces, you know, one in Aaron Dell, who's, you know, an, uh, basically a, a capable NHL backup goalie, and then Hutchinson, who's, you know, he's been, he's been inconsistent, but you can still put him as a, you know, borderline um, NHL backup. So, what are your thoughts on this? It's essentially that this is a insurance move because Aaron Dell by is by no means a guarantee to remain on the Leafs roster at the start of the season. Because mm-hmm. if you remember, I want to say the 2018-19 season, the Leafs had couple of goalies and they lost two of them to waivers and that was Curtis McElhinney and Calvin Pickard and all they were left with was Garrett Sparks so when you sign Michael Hutchinson you're not doing it because you thought there's something good in him that he can provide you with key saves you're doing it because he likes the organization he's familiar with the organization and it's insurance piece just in case you lose a guy like Aaron Dell to waivers which I think the least hope does not happen mm-hmm. but it's just one of those things that, as a safe, as a safe piece, you have him on your roster. And hey, how does this affect the uh, expansion draft at all? Uh I believe it does help with the Leafs expansion draft because I know that uh, they want to protect their uh, their goalies, and they have to expose somebody, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if Aaron Dell will be exposed for the expansion draft next year i believe it is only a one-year contract so that's probably the case and i think because if i'm not isn't he signed to a two-year deal so hutchinson is signed to a two-year deal um aaron dell is signed to a one-year deal yeah. so if anything that's i mean yeah i think hutchinson is the kind of the insurance marker for the expansion draft you know someone that they can just uh ex- expose yep it really comes down to that because if you look at what the other alternatives are in the league system, you have Ian Scott and Joseph Wall, and no disrespect to them, but neither of them are fully ready for the NHL just yet. And since they've lost Casimir Kaskasuo to free agency, who signed with the Nashville Predators, you need to have some options in your system, and you need to protect somebody. If if anything, this ensures that the Leafs have enough goalies, so they're not screwed over by the expansion draft in a year's time. Mm-hmm. 
for sure. So, uh, I mean, in the end, I know everyone was, you know, making jokes about Michael Hutchinson coming back, but this is a very, very smart signing. And I think it just, I mean, it's an amazing signing because it puts the Leafs in the best goaltending situation that they've had in years. I mean, you basically have your, you know, who was your number two option last season? You've got him back to be your number four option. So that just shows the growth of, you know, the Leafs goaltending depth just in one year. I think that's uh, should speak volumes. And think about it this way. A year ago, the Leafs brought in Michael Neuver to be a potential backup option because they figured it'd be a, a good idea to explore it. And he didn't end up signing with the Leafs because he didn't do well during the preseason. And in that year since, yeah, they've acquired all those guys. And the goalie situation looks a lot better. Mm-hmm. And even if they lose Frederick Anderson to free agency next year, they should still be in decent shape. For sure. Um, so, yeah, I think that's just a great move overall. And then finally, um, a big deal. I think I would say the biggest mm-hmm. deal, um, the Leafs signed Ilya Mikheyev. Good to have him back. Ilya He's Mikheyev. a big part of the team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the soup man. The soup man. Um, yeah, like, I mean, I don't even think there's much to say because, you know, we've been talking about him a lot and just how um, – you know, he's going to fit into this roster. We've talked about that a lot um, in previous episodes uh, lately. But, uh, you know, it was bound to happen, right? I mean, yeah. uh, he basically fills that top six. Um, and, and, and he's he, he's going to slot into the top six regardless. Um, you know, maybe that'll change down the line. But as it sits right now, he's, uh, he's going to be playing pr- probably on that second line. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he got us, you know, it's a steal that he got, you know, uh, for the Leafs on the Leafs end, um, you know, 1.645 million, uh, uh, out for his average salary. And that's for two years. So, um, the Leafs are in good shape there. And if he continues, you know, we got half a season with him and, uh, we got to see what he was able to do. And he was really, he was really impressing. And, uh, if he can keep bringing that and let's hope it, you know, his injury doesn't, you know, hinder him anymore, but if he can keep up that pace, you know, he's not just a $1 million player, you know, he's worth a lot more if he plays at that level, but we'll have to see if he can, but I think a two-year deal is safe because on one hand, you know, if he, if he outperforms that, um, you know, that value you have him for two years, like that's an amazing contract. And I think two years is safe enough that if he, you know, plays terribly or worst case scenario, you know, he, you know, he doesn't even make the team or something like that. I mean, two years, and especially at that price, is uh, easy to shed or, you know, just, just just wait it out even. One thing I want to mention that I really like about this deal, and I think that's going to be the key to this, is the fact that he is expansion draft exempt. Mm-hmm. So he is protected from being taken by the Seattle Kraken, and I think that's something least recognized was important. And... Just the fact that he signed for two years at that the price that he got is huge for the Leafs. I know people were clowning what his asking price was. I think it was like somewhere in like three something million dollars. And people, what people don't recognize is that when it comes to arbitration, the player always asks for more than what they're actually going to sign with. So you don't have to worry about that. But I digress in the fact that this is a good deal. It's really, it, I think the Leafs recognize that he's he's important to the team. His injury absence uh, was big because at least did struggle for a while when he left. And I think you can't really judge him on how he did in the play-in round against Columbus. Obviously, that sucked to see that he struggled to produce offensively despite that 
great performance in the qualifier game against Montreal. I think this guy can uh, be a big part of this team going forward. I really look forward to seeing uh, what he does next season and beyond. Now he has sure. a full year under his belt. Super excited because, yeah, I, I mean, I think his contract, you know, we all knew it was going to happen, but it was the one that, you know, we didn't know how much he'd get or be around there. So I think Leafs fans could breathe easy now, you know? Absolutely. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what this team does uh, next season. Now the the off season's more or less finished. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, really now it's just uh, we wait to see when the NHL returns and uh, how the Leafs will look when they actually take this team on the ice. Um, but speaking about, you know, when the league should return, we do know uh, when the NBA returns and they yes. will be returning next month, actually December 22nd. Uh, it's going to be great, you know. Of course, the NHL is still up in there, but at least we, you know, we know when basketball is coming back. So there's one piece of the puzzle solved, and uh, yeah, we're very excited. Um, but I mean, for the Toronto Raptors, though, they are in the unique situation that, much like the uh, the Toronto Blue Jays had to do, um, it is looking likely that it's possible that they might play, you know, in the U.S. Uh, during this season because we do know that. They don't want to do another bubble situation for an entire season. They'll likely do, uh, you know, traveling within the United States. Um, mm-hmm. And, I mean, I don't know about the situation with uh, the fans. I know they are trying to get fans into the stadium at a limited capacity. Um, so that's all still up in the air. But, you know, right now there are a lot of rumors that, you know, the Raptors could play in places like New Jersey or I even saw Nashville today as a possibility. Um and I also saw that they are trying to work out um, even keeping them here in Toronto for next season. Of course, the the, the, the issue with that is that the travel, the, you know, crossing the border, especially for, uh, it's not even just about the Raptors, right? You know, you have to have all the other teams fly in here for any home games, right? That's the big thing, pretty much like any other team, really. So uh, that would be a big hassle in itself. So it would just be easier to play them in the U.S. where, you know, teams could freely travel um you know in the country um but yeah i mean where do you think the raptors should play it's actually funny you're talking about that because that was the one of the things that always uh, gave me a little bit of a chuckle like every day a new city was emerging that mm-hmm. uh, the raptors are going to be playing in i think buffalo was uh, also considered at some point oh yeah I, I mean, I, it just pretty it much theoretically be playing on mars for all i care <laughs> i was gonna say i mean pretty much any really any city with like you know a big basketball arena or even an NHL sized arena where, you know, an NHL arena can be um, converted into a basketball court. Mm-hmm. Just pretty much any of those kind of arenas uh, is probably a viable place. Oh, Kansas city. I mean, Kansas city, I think the mayor was even trying to hint at the possibility of the Raptors uh, going there. I think he was trying to campaign for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will say this just based on travel alone and proximity to the city of Toronto, Buffalo would be my pick. The arena is designed to host basketball games, if need be. I know it's probably not ideal for the Sabres because they probably want to use that stadium as much as possible when their season resumes. And I believe the NHL is thinking of either a January 1st or a early February start by the sounds of things. And like I said, Buffalo would be my pick. If it had to go to it, maybe Nashville because the arena can't be used for, for basketball as well. I know New Jersey used to be hosting the mm-hmm. New Jersey Nets at one point. They're now in Brooklyn. Anything is really on the table here. But if I had to pick one, it had to be the closest city to Toronto that's in the United States. And Buffalo 
did a pretty good job of hosting the Blue Jays. Makes a lot of sense. Um, for me, yeah, it would be nice for, you know, Buffalo or even New Jersey. Uh, you know, we, we know that New Jersey, I mean, it's still in the same, you know, that, that, um, New York city metropolitan area, but, um, we know that New, New Jersey fans have been, you know, longing for a team again in, you know, in their state. So, I mean, even giving them something like that, I mean, I'm, I'm sure like they'll get a lot, like they'll sell out the games, however many fans are allowed. Um, mm-hmm. and they'll, they'll support the Raptors. I mean, and it's not far from, you know, their, the other division, uh, the other members of the, of the division too. So it's easy in that sense too. Um, mm-hmm. so I think I'd say New Jersey, Buffalo is viable and I just don't think Nashville, Nashville is a little too far from, uh, I, I might, don't quote me on my geography, but, um, it seems a little farther than, uh, the other, you know, uh, divisional teams. I'll say this, as long as they could just figure it out as soon as possible where the Raptors are going to be playing, I think that'd be a massive headache to clear up because you saw how uh, messy it was for the Blue Jays to settle on Buffalo as their home for the coming season. Because if you remember, they were hoping to play in Toronto, but that was not going to be a thing because of the COVID restrictions. They were throwing around so many things, and it took until well into the season for them to actually pick their place. And they didn't even get to play there for a, few, for a while because they had to transfer to be MLB ready so if you're the Raptors you want to get this done as soon as possible because the last thing that you'd want is to have this headache carry over into the start of the season which looks like it's going to be starting in late December Mm -hmm. get it done before uh training camp like have the training camp in that city don't give the players you know more than they have to deal with um I will say this though like let's hope that it could be here in Toronto because Hey, I mean, we know that the, the the hype is on the Raptors right now. Like that's a huge opportunity for the the city to, you know, market and and you know, there's so many things different things they can do, of course, you know, safely, but uh just having them here, it it it, it opens a lot more doors for, you know, Toronto and and the fans here. Um but of course, it has to be done safely. So if that's a viable option, uh I would prefer Toronto, but yeah, uh, I understand why it would have to go to it would probably go to a city in the US. Yeah, I'll mention this quickly before we move on. If you remember from a few weeks back, there is this uh, testing facility that they're going to be trying out in Alberta for planes coming in so that the passengers can do a very quick COVID test and then they can determine uh, if if they need to go into quarantine or they're okay to go enter the country. If that works, that might mean it's more possible for the Raptors to stay in toronto something to keep an eye on if you haven't paid attention to it yet oh for sure for sure um but yeah so we'll move on from there uh keep the basketball talk going i want to cover you know two rumors that uh we've seen just actually in the last uh couple days um first i'll start with sergi baka actually because we do know that he is an impending uh unrestricted free agent you know um he might test the market he might Resign with the Raptors. Honestly, he hasn't given you know any hints towards what his possibility could be. Um, but one, uh, I saw a tweet today. Uh, I'll quote the tweet here. Let me pull it up um, from uh, Lakers Daily um, that you know the Lakers are will like to target Serge Ibaka in free agency. Um, here from actually Sean uh, Deveni, um, an NBA writer for Heavy and Forbes Sports, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, if the Lakers are interested in Serge Ibaka, 
do you think that's a big opportunity for Ibaka or do you think he if you were Ibaka would you rather stay in Toronto or what it's it's tough because both the Lakers and the Raptors have proven to be championship caliber teams Mm -hmm. it really comes down to which team is the more likely one to win a championship next year and beyond if if it were me just because of the LeBron effect I would slightly lean towards the Lakers. And this is no disrespect to the Raptors. The Raptors have a lot of great things going for them. And they were nearly uh, in one, they were one game away from advancing to the Eastern Conference Finals. And who knows if they beat the Heat in that series. But even if they make it to the finals and lose to the Lakers, you could tell that that team is still good enough for a championship. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that Serge Ibaka recognizes. He's well loved here, he's well loved in the dressing room, off the court as well. If he's gone, that's a huge loss. And I think the Raptors should try everything in their power to keep him because he's a big part of this team. But again, it depends on what he wants. Does he want to try and win another championship or does he want to stay where he's comfortable? That'll be the key for him. I mean, we remember, you know, Serge Ibaka loves Toronto. I mean, he said it multiple times and he would love to resign. Um, With the Fred Van Vliet situation and, you know, the hype for 2021, the Raptors are in an interesting position financially. You know, I don't think they want to spend so much money where the, you know, the Lakers are kind of know that as long as you surround, you know, as long as you surround with uh, LeBron and, and Anthony Davis with, you know, solid players, you know, you can win a championship. So uh, I think they, they actually would like to throw some money at uh Serge Ibaka if they can. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. We know like Houston is another team that would be uh interested in um yeah we just have to see where it goes from there um but i would love to see the raptors be able to sign Sergi Baca. i really think he's you know essential to the chemistry of the team absolutely and like i said if he's gone it's massive because who becomes the glue that keeps the locker room together i don't know i have a really tough time uh picking someone maybe kyle lowry but i mean he's always been the heartbeat of this team but i think you need someone like Serge to just settle the moon down and make people uh, like like lighten the mood, if you will. Oh it's, yeah, players like that are very important. Oh yeah, for sure. And then uh, finally, um, I actually want to pull up the tweet I believe you sent me. Uh, here we go. But yeah, finally, the uh, we there is a rumor that the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Toronto Raptors are apparently showing interest in Tristan Thompson. Now, again, these are just rumors, but what do you think of the possibility of Tristan Thompson joining the, the Raptors? And honestly, I mean, I think that only really happens if they lose Ibaka. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much my exact thoughts right there. You only entertain this idea if Ibaka leaves in free agency and signs with the Lakers. You need somebody to replace that position for the time being. And from a basketball standpoint, Tristan Thompson... Uh, checks off all the boxes and he's going to be returning home because he is from uh from the air from toronto so Mm. that'd be a cool thing to see a hometown kid playing starting minutes for the raptors i don't think we've we've ever seen a player like that on the on, on the team so far in his existence i mean we've had players from canada and maybe a couple players from toronto play on the team but we have never seen one get starting minutes and i think that'd be big from that standpoint I think the closest that we get to a Torontonian um, would be, I, th- I think Corey Joseph got a, a few starts way back. 
way back mm-hmm. when he was on the Raptors. And I mean, I think, uh, you know, Chris Boucher has started, but you know, that's not solid starting minutes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just like you said, uh, it really is only if Ibaka leaves and Gasol leaves as well, which, you know, might be uh, imminent. But, you know, I don't even, like, Tristan Thompson is a good player, but, you know, maybe, do, would you rather have him or would you rather have, like, you know, Hassan Whiteside instead, right? Who is mm-hmm. also a free agent. Um, You kind of have to see who would be a good fit. I'm not sure if Tristan Thompson, uh, you know, we also know that there's a lot of, you know, off-court drama as well. And the Raptors, they really don't like the off-court drama and things like that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the other thing, too, because that's what I was remembering about Tristan Thompson there. It comes with a lot of baggage if you do decide to sign him. Mm-hmm. So all I can say is, is that it's really a last resort move for the Raptors. I think it's an interesting possibility because, you know, the the guy is a good basketball player and he has been part of a championship team. So he will bring that pedigree to the locker room. Not that they need it. But, yeah, I think, like I said, their priority should be to try and bring back Serge Ibaka. Mm-hmm. for sure and then quickly i have one more topic for uh about the uh toronto raptors but uh a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago uh raptors uh player terrence davis uh was arrested after allegedly assaulting his girlfriend um we don't have all the details you know the raptors and uh, i believe it happened in new york so uh, i believe you know the new york police are investigating that um and so we don't have the we don't have the details, but uh, what do you think uh, the Raptors' move should be with him? Because I really suspect. I mean, we know how this goes. Uh, I don't think the Raptors should keep him. Um, I mean, I already. I mean, again, we don't know the details, and you know, we don't know, you know the accuracy of what happened and things like that and that's obviously gonna come with the investigation but even as of now i mean you got to believe that terrence davis you know should not be a toronto raptor um and i i could imagine that the raptors you know wouldn't want that kind of um player on their team I mean, we know what their you know the raptors reputation is all about right um mm-hmm. you, and and it's it's extended to a lot of uh different sports we see a lot you know you know a player that does something like that, um, you know, should not be holding their position, or at least until until if they are proven innocent, right? I mean, that's way down the line. But as of right now, I think the Raptors should move on from him. And uh, I believe he's a free agent anyway, so there's that. Absolutely, yeah. It's a tough situation for the team to be in. Um you really have to listen to what the law enforcement is saying in this regard, because depending on uh, what those charges are going to be, because it's pretty, it's going to be clear that he's going to be given some sort of punishment for Mm -hmm. this. I wouldn't just rush to cut him off the team right then and there. It just kind of also looks bad on the team's part. like, as soon as there's some sort of allocations, they just throw you away. Like what happens if it's proven to be false? Not saying that's going to happen. Just, you know, that's the reputation that would be given to a lot of players around the league. And mm-hmm. I don't, I think the Raptors need to keep that in mind, but I think really just don't rush this decision. Wait and see how this plays out, but recognize that there's a very real possibility that Terrence Davis is no longer going to be on the Raptors by the time next season starts. For sure. And I mean, when it comes to things like this, of course, I mean, you, you also have to, you know, believe the accuser, 
for a lot of different things, right? And yep. in in especially in this situation, um, you know, the investigation will take a long time. So right now, I don't think you know, I don't think a team really wants to deal with that or should have that on their reputation. Of course, especially the Raptors. So I think the Raptors should you know handle that appropriately and you know have him not be a Raptor for next season. Um, you know, let in the in the instance that you know the the investigations do show that nothing happened or you know he's free of his charges then he can go about you know signing with another team but as of right now yeah i don't think he should be playing next season 1000 million percent on listening to the victims because situations like this more often not the the victims is telling the truth you have Mm -hmm. to listen to them you can't just throw them aside just because oh terrence davis is this promising young raptor we have to keep him on the team if he's Mm -hmm. if some if and even the best players do something like this, you have to listen to the accusers. For sure. So uh with that, that's all the uh Raptors news this week really. Um we'll move into uh shortly, you know, um some Blue Jays rumors and also some NFL talk here. Again, yep. not a lot this week. Uh I mean just off the top, well, I think we'll start with some NFL and get that out of the way because I mean <laughs> We really mainly focus on our teams. Uh, it's been an entertaining week, of course. I think NFL and football is taking more priority in, you know, um, just in sports right now, uh, unlike yeah. other, other years where the NFL has to share time with hockey and basketball and all that too. Um, they're kind of the sole focus now. And so far, yeah, I mean, my Cleveland Browns uh, had a bye week right now, so I uh, can't really talk about that. But how about your Buffalo Bills? Buffalo just came off a big win against the Seattle Seahawks, winning 44-34. to I'm sure if you guys know, the Seahawks have one of the best offenses in the league, led by MVP candidate Russell Wilson. This is a very big uh, statement for the Bills to make this week, to the fact that they were able to score that many points that they did, but more or less hold the Seahawks check. Yeah, they allowed 33 points. Uh, some of them were in garbage time, in a way, but... Buffalo looked really good this week. I'm really liking their chances. They're, they have the first 7-2 and two start since 1993. And really, the only team in their division that even kind of scares me is Miami. Surprisingly, I would not expect to say that at this point in the year. But yeah, mm-hmm. Miami's doing really well, 5-3. and three. The Patriots are more or less not a threat anymore, down at 2-5. and five. And the Jets are uh, the Jets. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> so if you're a Bills fan... You definitely will be very excited about this team. And I think this week was uh, a big game for them. And hopefully they can build that momentum next week against the Arizona Cardinals before they head into their bye week. Oh, for sure. I mean, Josh Allen has just been playing so good for you guys. Absolutely. It's been it's been great to see his development. And his he had an, an awesome game today. I'm just going to quickly read his stats right here for you. He had 31-38 completions. Uh, 415 yards passing, three touchdowns, and a 138 passer rating against the probably the MVP candidate for this year, Russell Wilson. And he had a good game as well. Like uh, obviously the stats don't tell the whole story, but you have to remember like this is a big win for Buffalo. I'm really happy with uh, the state of this team, and hopefully, like I said, they keep up that momentum next week because Arizona's going to be a tough uh, opponent. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in terms of the uh, the Browns, yeah, there's not much to talk about. I mean, of course, OBJ is uh, injured, and uh, you know, hope to, that he comes back. He's a, ob- ob- I mean, of course, he's 
one of the biggest pieces of the team. But uh, I mean, at least today, um, Baker Mayfield was also placed on uh, the reserve slash COVID nineteen kind of list, and it's tough. Uh, it is tough. But thankfully, uh, you know, it is the bye week, so um, gives a little extra time for all that stuff to uh, to clear up. Hopefully uh, the games this week are the rest of the games this week are pretty exciting. Right now the Saints are playing the Buccaneers and New Orleans is up twenty-one to nothing, which is pretty surprising. And we have the Jets and the Patriots on Monday night, so two interesting games in different ways, but two interesting games nonetheless. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, so with that, I mean, we'll wait until next week. Hopefully the you know NFL picks up even more. Um, but Toronto Blue Jays, um, not much, of course, it's the offseason, not much has happened so far, but there are some rumors swirling. Um, specifically, let's talk about two specific players. Um, first, Trevor Bauer. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think, basically, um, I want to pull up the tweet here, but just off the top of my head, basically, um, I think, you know, one of those MLB uh, Twitter accounts tweeted, uh, um, where where might Trevor uh, Bauer you know, land. Uh, I think it was MLB Network here, I, and I found the tweet. And he replied, "The real, you know, Trevor Bauer official account replied, Toronto is a nice city, could be a destination." And he put the winky face emoji. Now I don't know if he's like, if he's giving you know, like a hint at the fact that he might go to Toronto, or is he just trolling? And he knows, you know, Toronto. The Toronto Blue Jays and Toronto fans would love, um, you know, if if he became a Blue Jay and he's kind of just trolling that whole situation. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. First of all, from a pitch, from a baseball standpoint, Trevor Bauer would be an excellent uh, upgrade for the Blue Jays starting rotation. He would help solidify that depth and make the Blue Jays starting rotation look pretty scary. Mm-hmm. But we can't uh, ignore the fact that he comes with a lot of baggage. There are some questionable things he's done off the field that cannot be ignored. And mm-hmm. there are some people that, uh, rightfully so, do not want him to be in Toronto. For sure. And obviously, you, ha- I, like I said, you can't ignore those things. You have to acknowledge that those things happened. And if it were up to me, as much as I'd love to see like, him provide up an upgrade for the rotation, I think mm-hmm. it'd just be best to avoid it and looks elsewhere there's plenty of good pitching options out there and i'm sure a team like the padres will be more than happy to pick up bauer in free agency i'm sure there's plenty of other teams that need some more starting pitching mm-hmm. so just look elsewhere is all i'm saying for sure for sure and uh i mean yeah like you said uh we'll just have to see what happens uh yeah he does come with a lot of you know kind of off uh off the field you know situations there but yeah i mean no doubt that he is a you know a star pitcher in this league and and uh he would he would improve uh the the blue jays pitching staff which of course is you know kind of their biggest need there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that that's pretty much it right there for me trevor bauer the only thing the only reason you would sign him is if you desperately desperately need starting pitching but I don't think the Raptors, the Blue Jays, would be that desperate that they can look past his off-field stuff and think to themselves, "Yes, we need somebody like that." Look at how they responded to the Roberto Osuna uh, 
situation. Mm-hmm. They quickly suspended him after the report, the lawsuit came out, and they quickly traded him away. They, I don't think the Raft, the Blue Jays tolerate this this kind of stuff. Sorry, I keep saying the Rafters, but you know the Blue Jays, I don't think tolerate this stuff. They care, they care about uh, players that are quality people on and off the field, and I don't think adding a guy like Trevor Bauer fits that mold. For sure, for sure. So we'll we'll just have to see. And uh, so just a quick side note, I mean, you mentioned how the Blue Jays uh, handled the whole uh, Osuna controversy i think uh i think the raptors should look towards that um uh kind of cross sport reference there but should look towards the jays and how they handled that and uh, when when they're handling terrence davis but uh yeah i mean i mean moving on the 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 second player we want to talk about is uh francisco lindor who is uh you know on the block and uh you know cleveland wants to supposedly move him um and the blue jays are definitely you know, rumors have been swirling about the Blue Jays acquiring him um, and adding him to the team. Um, and what are your thoughts on that? Well, Francisco Lindor would be a huge, huge upgrade for the Blue Jays. I think mm-hmm. he'd be an awesome addition to the team. He would solidify the infield because I believe he's what a second uh, baseman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'd be great. He'd be great to add. And the thing is, for me. You have to recognize that it's going to cost a lot. He's got one year left on his deal. I think the Indians recognize that they're very likely going to lose him in free agency a year's time. So why not capitalize on it? And yeah, like you, you have to be mindful of that. Do you have the necessary pieces to go after a guy like him? If you don't, just wait it out because he will be available next year. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if I was the Jays, I would just wait it out. When you think about it, the Blue Jays are a young team. I mean, we saw the, that this uh, season and this off season. You know, they are showing bright signs, but they're not a contender. And uh, adding Lindor won't make them a contender. And uh, it would be, it would be honestly not be smart to throw away your future, your future pieces. I mean, I'm just guessing that they would have to, you know, put together a package of that includes, um, if not all, at least a few of these pieces, like you know, Lord Guriel Jr., Kevin Biggio, you know. Uh, even Rowdy Telez, things like that. Um, and, you know, they'd have to inc- make a package that includes some or all those pieces or something like that. And I just don't think it it's worth it, right? Mm-hmm. They're not yeah. they're not at that position. And think about it this way: the Blue Jays have a lot of quality pieces on their roster. I'm sure you probably saw this. Uh, Hunjin Ryu is a finalist for the Cy Young mm-hmm. Award. Charlie Montoya is a finalist for the Manager of the Year Award. Mm-hmm. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez, Hernandez won the yeah. yeah Silver Slugger Award winner. There might be a couple others that I'm missing, but the point I'm trying to make here is that this Blue Jays team did really well last season. They played above expectations. What really has to happen? You need to capitalize on it and make sure that you get the necessary upgrades because this Blue Jays team, like you said, have been saying from the beginning, they really just need starting pitching. Um maybe a bit of help uh in the outfield just to solidify the depth and you're well on your and you're well on your way mm-hmm. so don't make too drastic moves just for the sake of getting a big name piece in francisco Lindor. only do it if you know you have the necessary pieces to get him because otherwise you're sacrificing your future just for uh, a big name player 
Hmm. I mean, it, when it comes to rentals, I know it, it does happen in baseball a lot, but, you know, you think about a team on the cusp of winning a championship, you know, already contender, you know, you know, someone, a team like the Yankees, uh, perhaps, who's just in a better position to win, um, that mm-hmm. they would go all in um, with a move like that. But it'll be interesting, and we'll just have to see how that plays out. Yep, absolutely. So, Hopefully uh, the Blue Jays get him, but like I said, only do it if you have the necessary pieces. Mm-hmm. So uh, before we close out this episode, uh, the final kind of segment this week we'll have is uh, we'll go over the, the uh, listener questions. Yeah, we've got quite a bit this week. Thank you, everyone, for sending in your questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, always appreciate uh, the fan interactions, as always. Uh, we'll mention this a little bit later, but uh, if you want to chat with us, my Twitter is at least IMO. And mine is at Matt underscore Rodrigo underscore. And, of course, our Twitter account is uh, at Behind the Net Pod. So mm-hmm. hopefully you guys uh, can give us a follow there on all the accounts, especially the podcast account. But, yeah, hopefully uh, you guys... Uh, Chad, we always love to chat with our fans. But anyway, let's get into the questions. Mm-hmm. First one comes from our boy Quinn at Quinn Storm. Shout out to him. Does sending Nick Robertson overseas or the AHL, if it's allowed, make more sense than to have him on the taxi squad or as a healthy scratch with the main club? For me, I'll go first. Um, I would actually... Uh, I don't know that you know the full details, you know, especially overseas loaning someone overseas, you know, they 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 have to pay for their insurance, I think, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the exact details, but I would, you know, I would rank the priority list for me, I would rank it, you know, AHL. It, this is if he doesn't, you know, if he if he doesn't get a chance to make the lineup. Um, mm-hmm. I would love for him to play for the Marlies or develop even overseas. Just get get competitive hockey in and honestly i think he's outgrown the ohl right so Mm -hmm. the next viable step if not the nhl um is professional hockey you know in the minors or overseas overseas has great talent out there um but yeah i mean i would not want him just to be a healthy scratch with the main club because i feel like i mean again the especially you don't want to waste his contract when you're already like a year off his contract when you're already um pretty uh tight to the cap but yeah we do know that um how i see it as i really think he'll make the uh roster i think honestly i think uh if not right after um you know right after right through uh training camp if not i I think they'll just see how things play out the lines play out you know uh in the first few weeks of the season but i think i honestly think nick robertson has a spot on the on the squad yeah, I agree that he's got a very good chance to make the Leafs uh, out of training camp this coming year. I mean, he did make the Leafs roster for the bubble, which should tell you everything that you need to know about where he is in his development. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying that that's going to be the case this time around just because there's so much competition. But really, the thing about Robertson is he needs to get playing time, consistent playing time, not just he gets in a couple of games every now and then. He needs to be playing because he is one of the most important prospects in the league system right now. You cannot uh, compromise his development at any cost, even in spite of the fact this is a very strange year. So I think the move that you go is find a spot where he will be guaranteed playing time, whether that be the Leafs, the Marlies, or somewhere in Europe, and you put him there. If it's in a position that he can succeed, then do it. If it's with the Leafs, awesome. If it's somewhere else, awesome. You know, Like I said... 
Robertson is the most important piece on this team. Mm-hmm. You need to make sure he develops. For sure. You know, I was going to ask you, I think it comes down to this, and I'm going to ask you, what is your, who, I rank who you would want on the Leafs, like on the Leafs lineup out of Robertson, VC, or Anderson, uh, Joey Anderson. And that is because, I mean, just looking at the Leafs lines, I mean, you know, they brought in Joe Thornton and Wayne Simmons, who, you know, really, I really think they're, their spots are pretty much guaranteed on the, on the roster, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what they bring is is very important. Um, so really, that the big the big hole there is, I think there's you know there's a third line winger spot there, and there's a, a fourth line winger spot there, and really that I think it comes down to those three players: VC, Robertson, and Anderson. And I want to know, like, what would you do there? Where where do you What's what's your ranking for those three, and then where would you put them? Which one would you put on the third line? Which one would you put on the fourth line? I will say this: my preference would obviously be Nick Robinson, just because I think he's got the most to uh, he's got the most impact offensively of those three guys you mentioned. And my second would be Jimmy VC. He's probably the most NHL ready of all three players. And then Joey Anderson would be third. But you could go inter- either way with, with with this question. But if it were me, you just have to play it off on who is the most NHL ready and I think Jimmy VC is probably the most and maybe Nick Robertson or Jimmy or Joey Anderson insert I don't know like I said this can, training camp is going to be very interesting because it, it there's so many ways that this could play out for sure I'm with you there like I have the exact same feelings so VC is definitely the most NHL ready because he's been there he's been playing for a few years now um but Robertson he's NHL ready and we know that it's just about the fact that you know he's still He's pretty much a rookie, um, and but I think his skill is enough to carry him and his potential, right? And I think given a real like a real shot during the season, you know, he can just exceed expectations. So I would honestly put him on the third line, and then Jimmy VC on the fourth line, and have Anderson, you know, um, kind of ride the bench there a little, um, because uh, like we said before, Anderson is mostly like a cheap depth right you can't go wrong with that and and if i mean if someone gets hurt in the bottom six you know uh then then there's his opportunity but i think uh robertson on the third line and vc on the fourth line is the way to go and even then you could you know change it change it up based on how they play yeah uh there's so many ways you could go with that one but anyway we won't waste too much more time on this uh i think our answers are pretty clear you play him where it's where he's going to get the most development uh where regardless of wherever that is for sure uh Next question comes from Mur at Mur out loud. Shout out to Mur, by the way. Shout She's awesome. Mm-hmm. What are you most excited for in covering the six? Mm-hmm. I should probably preface by saying that very recently the Leafs Nation got exclusive coverage for covering the Toronto Six for the upcoming uh, season, and it's quite an awesome moment. Uh, I can speak from behalf of the all the team, my Matthew included, that we're very excited about this, and it's going to be a very awesome opportunity to be covering a team in their first season of existence. For sure. I mean, we've talked about it so much on this podcast about how, how excited we are uh, with the Toronto Six, uh, you know, starting here in Toronto and bringing it an NWHL team here, um, especially after the CWHL folded last year. Um, it's just mm-hmm. it's just awesome to see. And we've we've made it so clear that we're so excited. And now, give, you know, being given the opportunity to report on it um, and actually write about it and cover it is going to be like so, so fun. But uh, honestly, what I'm most excited about, I mean, I'm not going to 
spoil anything that we have in the works but uh for me as you know as a reporter um i'm so excited for uh you know just being able to um cover a team and, and speak to the players again on like a regular basis and like you know after this whole covid break you know um you know you and me we've we've covered local teams a lot um of course uh, over at ryerson you know that's how we kind of got our chops in and, and i've missed just covering sports like that like mm -hmm. like you know a local team or like covering a team and now uh, i'm just so excited you know to speak to the players especially yeah also real big shout out to Murr on this mm -hmm. one because he was the one that made this possible she was the one that contacted the toronto six about potentially getting exclusive coverage with their with their site and she's the one that's giving us this opportunity to cover a team in their first season so we really want to thank her for making this possible 100 percent Follow her, please. She yeah. is awesome. Quick, uh, yeah, I, I, that's exactly what I was going to say. Make sure if you're not following her, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not following Mer right now, please go follow her. Her at is at Mer out loud, M-E-R, and then out loud. Um, so make sure you go follow her. Yes, absolutely. Let's move on to the next question. It comes from Oh, you didn't say what, well, one second. What? You didn't say what you're, what are you most excited about? I, I thought I may, maybe I did. Okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> I said I'm just most excited to cover a team in their first season. It's just oh yeah, yeah. Too. Okay, okay. Yeah. Of course, yeah. It's gonna be very exciting to yeah. see their potential this coming mm. year. Anyway, next question comes from Fris Bob. He asks, "What do you think the Leafs' D lines look like this season?" That's at Fris Bob one. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll go first on okay. this one. Just be very quick. It's my. I think we've said this before on other podcasts, but I'll say it's Riley Brody on the first pairing. Muzzin and Hall on the second pairing. Then you go Dermot and Lettinen on the third, but you can smish and match depending on who you want else in the lineup because Bogosian and Dirt and Sandine need to be, get playing time as well. But if, for me, the top six is Riley Brody, Muzzin Hall, Dermot Lettinen to start. That's the exact same thing I have for me. <laughs> really? That's how you start off. I mean, of course, it could change later on, but literally, you got TJ Brody to be Morgan Riley's. You know, the the best the best defensive partner Morgan Riley pretty much has ever had, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and then Muzzin and Hall were great together. They'll slot in well there, and uh, we know Dermot is likely going to be on the right side. Um, and yeah, it just comes down to Bogosian or Lettinen, and I think they're going to give it to Lettinen because, uh, I mean. We know that the Toronto Maple Leafs pretty much uh, scouted him. We know that he was, you know, arguably the best uh, defenseman last season in the KHL. And uh, there's a lot there's a lot of potential in him. And, and I think, yeah, it's, it comes to that sixth position, which is going to be pretty much interchangeable between the two. I have to ask mm -hmm. you, where do you see Rasmus Sandin uh, um, slotting in on this team? Do you think he plays another, another season, uh, you know, with the Marlies, if that's even an option, or, you know, is he kind of stuck in a similar uh, Nick Robertson position there? It's the million-dollar question for a lot of Leaf fans uh, this this summer. I think it's definitely one of them, because Sandine did pretty well in his first season in the NHL. Obviously, it wasn't a full season, because he start was there to start, went down to the Marlies, then came up midway through when injuries were piling up, and, I mean, by all accounts, he did pretty well. But the fact that he didn't get any playing time in the play-in round should tell you that he still has a ways to go in his development. Obviously, I think a lot of the fans would love to see him get more playing time. But the problem is that 
he's still very young. What is he like? Not even twenty years old. He still needs a, some more time to develop. But mm. obviously, I'm encouraged by his development from last season. And I think you just play him sparingly. Only give him real minutes if injuries pile up again. But this is the reason why they brought in guys like Pagosian as insurance. And there's also guys like Marincin and Callie Rosen in the lineup. The I, Le- it's not disrespect to, to Sandy, mm-hmm. by the way. The Leafs are looking so deep. And it is, it's so good. It's so good. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited about next season. Uh, mm. Next question comes from Slithers. He asks, how fast does Nylander hit 40 next season? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if he hits 40, but I think 30 is a real possibility. I think he'll hit 30. Uh, how much did he have this uh, season? I know he was all, definitely on pace for 30. Um, I think he did hit did 30. He hit 30? Actually. I'll have to check that up. Let me but... check it right now. But uh, yeah, no, for sure. He's a 30 goal scorer now. Like, uh, let me double check uh, what his stats were, but he'll definitely mm-hmm. hit 30. I think he hit 31. So yeah, yeah. he hit 31 in 68 games. I think he'll hit 30 for sure. Next season. I think a realistic possibility, and I think, is 35. 35, I was going to say, yeah. Um, 40 is uh, pushing him, but we do know, like, you know, scoring is up in the NHL now. And mm-hmm. uh, he definitely has the potential to, uh, you know, to get it done. And, and, and he's been developing so well. And, you know, don't, you know, I, I hate when people bad talk, you know, William Nylander and his contract because he has proven that, you know, that is such a good contract, actually, that he has. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like uh, Nylander's contract, and I think the fact that there's even potential for him to possibly hit 40, I know it's not a real chance because just because I don't know if he's going to get enough playing time to to get there. But I mean, hey, still a 30 goal scorer is good to have at 6.9 million dollars for sure, for sure. Um, Last one comes. Mm-hmm. From big things coming at T dot sports two. We'll make this one really quick. What do you think of playing Thorn up with Matthews and Nylander for the odd shift? Yes, there's a difference in speed, but Joe is as as smart a hockey player and playmaker as there is. It adds some size and throws a different look to a few shifts a game. I'll go first. I think it would be interesting to see. I just don't think it's you know like like you said for the odd shift. Yeah, I'd love to see that, and I wouldn't be surprised if. Uh, Keith tries to, you know, try things like that out because, again, yeah, I mean, Joe Thornton's that big body, uh, skilled, and uh, he is definitely, you know, I mean, we didn't we all want, like, uh, you know, that toughness especially to kind of protect those star players, and Joe Thornton is big, and he's physical, and it's kind of what that uh, line needs, and you never know, he might rub off on those players, right? But, uh, yeah, I think it would be it would be really fun, but, yeah, I don't think it could be a viable <laughs> option because um yeah the skill he's got the skill but he doesn't have the speed or you know a lot of his you know hands things like that have of course decreased but uh i think it for the odd shift it would be cool yeah i think in some situations when you need a goal and you need someone who can get the, the best goal scorer on the team the puck joe thorne is not a bad option to put out there for the odd shift or two obviously you don't want to do that all the time because his uh, speed and mobility, like you said, is no not where it used to be, and that's fine. At his advanced age, I don't think Lisa are looking look brought him in because oh, he's a fast player. Mm-hmm. They know that he can still be a very good playmaker, and he's one of the best assist guys in the league for a reason. Mm-hmm. So, if if you need to do it every now and then, uh, uh, yeah, you do you do that. 
obviously not my ideal choice, but hey, it'd be really cool to see a Joe Thornton uh, assist to an Austin Matthews goal. Mm-hmm. I'll say this. I mean, uh, it's definitely, it would be like the smartest line that the Leafs have um, in terms of hockey senses. But, uh, and that, that works a lot. But uh, yeah, you have to take into account, you know, speed. And, and, and if Joe Thornton can pretty much, you know, skill-wise keep up with them at his current age. Um, I mean, we've kind of seen it, you know, Patrick, when Patrick Marlowe was a Leaf, uh, again, very smart. And uh, he, you know, he played great with the Leafs and he, he put up good numbers. Um, that was a different situation because, the, you know, the, the contract's different. But you don't rely on the line like that, um, especially in high-pressure situations. But, hey, if the Leafs are up and uh, if you want you know, try that out, you know, I, I feel like it could really work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be cool to see. Uh, I think that would be it for today's podcast. Thank you, everyone, mm-hmm. for sending in, in your questions. It's always good to interact with you guys, like we said at the top of this segment. Uh, we'll repeat it again. Our Twitters are at least IMO. His is Matt underscore Rodrigo underscore. The Twitter account is at Behind the Net Pod. And of course, you can find this podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast and hopefully more in the future. Mm-hmm. And before we go, I want to quickly give a, a shout out to uh, kind of the Among Us group chat that we've all been uh, playing, you and I, and uh, a bunch of, you know, pretty much the Wolfpack. Um, if, if you guys actually, you know, follow us on Twitter and uh, listen, yeah, we play, um, we play, we stream a lot and we've uh, been playing with a bunch of people on Twitter, a lot of great uh, hockey fans, uh, you know, from multiple teams. And uh, we had... Uh, you know, I, I had Michael, you played the whole game, like the whole night. And I, I, I joined in for the first hour uh, too, but it was a uh, charity stream, um, a charity stream for, uh, uh for, uh, three different uh, organizations. And, uh, yeah, um, I, Michael, you might have more details, but, uh, it was just a great night. Um, even Steve That's Dangle, right. uh, um, joined the call for a bit, uh, join the stream and uh thank you to him and it was just thank you to all the donate the donations and um the donors and i just want to say yeah it was just a great night and shout out to all um just everyone who took part in that and you know omar tiktok omar our boy um for yep. really um you know uh planning it all and yeah it came out great it did yes over i think we did raise over 500 dollars by the end of the stream which was really awesome Mm -hmm. i'm super glad that that's it all went to good causes uh it was a lot of fun that stream there was uh, quite a little bit of uh yelling but that's to be expected (laughs) with among us and we do need to get back on playing that game because we we have a lot of fun doing that but yeah yeah, shout out to the among us group chat the Wolfpack will be doing a stream at some point in the future can't guarantee you when that is but uh we'll have to be well, hopefully sometime soon because it would be fun to do something with them again. I think a new Call of Duty game is coming out very soon and mm. it's of course cross-platform. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not saying any of us will get it, but a, uh, we'll talk about that next episode. But next week, uh, you know, the new consoles start to drop. We'll talk about that more. You know, you listeners know that we love our video games. But, uh, yes, we do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, last note on that uh, charity stream, you know, the three, the three charities were Sick Kids, uh, black girl hockey club and um easter seals and uh, all three great charities and we're just glad everything went so great yeah and one last thing too we can't uh, guarantee 
anything, but we're going to try and get some uh, quality guests on this podcast uh, in future episodes. We It's obviously off-season mode, like we said at the top of the show, so things are going to kind of slow down a little bit, but that doesn't mean we're not going to get some uh, quality content for you guys. So if there's anyone you would love to see on the show, please let us know. But we have some cool things come in the works. of so can't spoil anything, but hopefully you guys will enjoy those future episodes. For sure, for sure. So uh, with that, um, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you guys next week. Peace.